the church was uh, revitalized here back in 2007, and in the first August, we started a summer series in the Psalms, uh, and we're still going, what's that, 15 years later, and we've reached Psalm uh, 71. Uh, So if you turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 71, and I'll read the whole Psalm. Psalm 71 and verse 1. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From my birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I shall always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate them all, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things. Who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. This is God's word. It's been God's word for thousands of years. We're a a mix of ages as we gather together this morning, but I wonder as you look back over your life, what is it that stands out? What are the, the big moments, the big events that happened in your life? For some of us, it will be times of great happiness, that life has been good uh, and things have basically gone as you would want. For others, it's great hardship and times have been really difficult uh, and life has been a struggle. Maybe for some, it's a mix of both. You can look back and say, that was great, and that maybe wasn't. Uh, And you can see uh, different things going on at different times. The older we are, the more change that we've seen at home uh, and overseas in our own life. And as we look back, we think, oh, maybe if life had been like that or had been like that or had been like that, then things would have been better. But for each of us, there should be a statement that is always true and always in focus. The Lord is faithful. See, every Christian should be able to look back in their lives and point to times when they can see the Lord's faithfulness in action. When they can point to a moment and say, there we go, there's the evidence that the God that I worship 
is faithful. And we should use that as a spur to continue to live for Christ. For those times when it's difficult, we'd be like, yeah, I know that God is faithful, and I'm going to remember that through this time. It's to be a motivation to tell others about him. That as people are broken by this world, as people are struggling to find root, to find anything or anyone who is faithful, you can say, no, my God is faithful. And that's what Psalm 71 is about. It's about someone looking back over their life and declaring front and center, the Lord is faithful. How do we live for God every day? We focus on his faithfulness. We remember who he is. You see, as the psalmist begins, he wants to set his stall out straight away. There's no messing about here. There's no beating about the bush. He gets in with the key to it all. Verse 1, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. That's what he wants to say. First off, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. He's found the place of refuge. In the storm, in the battering that life can give, he's found a safe place. He's found a refuge. He's found a place of safety, and it's in the Lord. His life is submerged into God's. Everything about him is defined by who the Lord is. Every part of him is given over to the Lord. When you look at the psalmist, you don't see the psalmist. You see God because he is in the Lord. And he rejoices at that. He rejoices that his life is not defined by him, but by his God's. And what I hope this morning is that though we live 3,000 years, many thousand miles, and a massive distance in culture from him, that our cry should be the same. In Christ, I have taken refuge. But what does it look like? What does it look like to live in Christ, to live in the Lord? Well, we're going to use this psalm to show four things. And I realize the sign of a good church is that sermons have three points, but I've got four this morning. Uh, We seek to live out the truth of what it means that we are in Christ, keeping his faithfulness in view. So a life in Christ first is those who are confident in God's strength. Something we see from the psalmist as the psalm begins. Verse 1, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. See, God is his rock and his fortress, the one who gives commands and the one who can deliver See, as the psalmist looks around, he sees those who are wicked, those who are evil, those who are cruel in verse 4, and he knows the Lord can deliver them because his strength is total. He looks at the strength of those abusing him and oppressing him and just thinks, well, you're nothing compared to my gods. And so he takes refuge in the Lord. Many times in this section, he sees the Lord as his place of refuge, his place of safety within his mighty strength. When God surrounds me, there is no one and nothing that can break through. And this recognition of God's strength, it leads to an incredible confidence. Verse 5, for you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From my birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. 
I've become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. See, the psalmist has relied on God's strength throughout his life and has never been disappointed. There's never been a moment where he has put himself into God's hands and thought, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that. Never been a moment when he's regretted giving himself to God. He calls the Lord sovereign in verse 5. He is placing him above himself, above everything. And he delights in that. He does not feel constricted or restricted by the fact that God is over him. He delights in that. He's taken God at his word and has found him to be utterly trustworthy and faithful. In the right biblical sense of the phrase, he has put God to the test and has found him to be successful every time. He is always faithful. He looks back to the time of his youth. He surveys his life and he sees all that the Lord has done. And he rejoices in verse 8. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. I wonder how confident are you in the Lord's strength? Are those the words that you would use? As you look back over your life, I wonder, could you echo the words of the psalmist in this opening section? Could you take these words and demonstrate such confidence in him? You see, it's very easy, isn't it? For those of us who've maybe been Christians for quite a while, we can sign up to a list of things that are true about God's strength. Yes, this is true about God. Yes, this is true about God. Tick, tick, tick. I believe all of those things. But our lives not to show confidence in them, that simply they're things that we would write down if we were writing an academic paper about him, but not actually making a difference in our life. Does God have the strength to keep the universe going? Yes, that's what I believe. Is he able to be fully there for all who need him? Yes, that's what I believe. So will you fully trust him with all of your life? That's the sticking point for me. I believe those things, but sometimes It doesn't show that actually deep in my heart, I don't believe those things. We often have an easier time that God, believing that God can be trusted to run the whole universe than that he can be trusted to run our own lives. And so we give him all of the big stuff and none of the personal stuff. But the testimony of the psalmist is that God is faithful in every area of life. This is an intensely personal and relational psalm. All the way through, it's you and me and I and you and just all of it together because he's seen that God can be trusted with his life. He looks back and he sees how the Lord has proven himself and we should do the same. We should look back and say, yes, there is the Lord at work in my life. Whether you've been a Christian for decades, whether you've been a Christian for just a few weeks, you should be able to see how the Lord has worked, whether it's on the beach in Nevin, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whatever it is, we should be able to say, there is the evidence that the Lord is faithful in my life. And we can use them to build our confidence in him. He is a refuge. He is all that we need. We just need to trust him enough to be able to see it. And that can be really hard, really hard, especially when we don't feel the Lord close to us. It's a well-known phrase, isn't it? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yet actually, that can be really far from the truth. Sometimes we can feel an absence of God. We can feel that he isn't close. And actually, it doesn't make our heart grow fonder. It makes our heart grow cold. God, where are you? 
I need you at this moment, and yet you just seem so distant. And when it feels like God is distant, we can feel rejected. We can feel hopeless. We can feel like we can't carry on because we've placed everything in him, and it seems like he's not around. We know that he should always be around. Again, in our heads, it all makes sense. But in our hearts, it can just feel that we're distant from him. But when our confidence is rooted in him, our hope, when it seems that he is absent, will be strong too. And that's what we see from the psalmist in the next section. His confidence leads to hope. Verse 9, do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I shall always have hope. I will praise you more and more. You see, we got a hint back in verse 7 that things were not all good for the psalmist. I have become a sign to many, he says. And this is fleshed out in verse 11, where it's clear that people who know that he trusts the Lord mock him and ridicule him because he doesn't look like his life is any better than anybody else's. In fact, in some ways, it looks like his life is worse. You're trusting the Lord, you're a fool. It'd be so much better if you just left it all alone. But having looked back to his youth and seen the faithfulness of the Lord throughout his life, he's now older and he's desperate for the Lord to remain close to him all the way to the end. He wants to finish well. And I wonder if you've ever felt the words at the end of verse 11, for no one will rescue him. See, you're in a mess, and it looks like there is no one who can draw you out. Life just seems to be coming over you like a a wave that is going to engulf you and drown you. And it feels like God is far away. There is no one who can rescue. What do you need in those moments? What do you need when you feel like you're at the bottom of the pit? You need hope. Everybody needs hope. You see, hope is the most glorious of weapons against the enemy of despair and disgrace. It's like a light that shines in the darkness. To have someone or something that lifts us out, that lifts us up of our immediate situation and focuses on something greater is vital. And the psalmist has it here, verse 14, As for me, I shall always have hope. I will praise you more and more. We see genuine hope that gets the psalmist through the most difficult of times. See, when God seems distant, the psalmist praises. When God seems to have forsaken him, he praises more and more. Why? Because he has hope. And this isn't a kind of fingers crossed, touch wood, I'm sure it will all turn out kind of hope. This is no, don't worry, keep going, it'll all be fine in the end. No, this is long-term hope based on the truth of who God is. The confidence in the strength of God that he had at the beginning, it feeds into this hope. So his hope just grows even when circumstances seem to be saying something else. His confidence in God shows that even when he doesn't understand, knowing that God is his rock, he continues to trust. Whatever the circumstances are, there is a solid foundation. And even when it seems I'm floating slightly, I know it is right there. And I have hope. 
whether today is the best day of your life, the worst day of your life, or the most ordinary day of your life. All of us need hope. We need to listen to the psalmist. We need to focus on the character of God and to find in him all that we need when times are difficult. And as a result of that confidence, as a result of that hope, all of that becomes fuel in our lives for an excitement in God's deeds, in all of the work that he is doing, and a desire to speak of him. We see the psalmist become excited in God's deeds. It's easy to find out what someone is living for by listening to them talk. If you hang around with them and you listen to them talk for long enough, you know what it is that they're excited about, what motivates them, what thrills them about life. I wonder, do we talk most about our hobbies, our families, our hopes, or our dreams? How long does it take in conversation with me before I start talking about sport, be talking about football, about cricket? It is very easy. It's always at the service in my life. Often to my shame. For the psalmist... There was only one topic that dominated his speech. Verse 15, my mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation your mighty acts to all who are to come. See, he tells, he declares, he proclaims. And it's all about the same thing. It's about the deeds, the works of the Lord. They're righteous in that they're always good. They're mighty in that they always accomplish exactly what it is that God intends. And they're marvelous. They're worthy of praise. They're worthy of being rejoiced in. No wonder the psalmist is excited. No wonder this is bubbling out. Even in the midst of trial, he is saying, I just want to tell, I want to tell, I want to tell. From his youth in verse 17 to his old age in verse 18, his purpose is to channel his excitement into words so that all will see how great his Lord is as he tells all that he meets. And what I love about this psalm is how it includes every generation. I want to tell you a profoundly unbiblical phrase. You ready? Here it is. I am too old to serve the Lord. That is profoundly unbiblical. And if you believe that about yourself or about somebody else, then you are wrong. You are never too old to serve the Lord. Now, I'm not brave enough to put a figure on what old is, because I know I'm going to get into trouble if I do that. But here we go. If you're at a stage of life where having gray hair isn't a surprise, let's leave it at that, then take verse 18, take verse 18, memorize it, and live out its truth. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Yes, it's great to be part of a church with lots of children. And I've loved over these past few weeks to be part of Adventurers and Contagious, where I got to teach the Bible to the next generation, to tell everyone of God's righteous acts. But I never want to be part of a church where there aren't grandparents and great-grandparents passing on their view of God's mighty acts to the next generation. When I started working for the church, 
uh, a few years ago, I was mentored by Jim. Many of you will remember Jim. He's a former pastor here who was in his mid-80s when we started meeting together. I had more energy than Jim. Uh, I had more strength than Jim. Probably by that stage, I had a sharper mind than Jim. But Jim had what I needed more than anything else. He had a lifetime of testifying to the Lord's faithfulness in his life. Jim told me more stories than I can possibly remember. And the end point of them was all the same. God is faithful. He is faithful. And we'd go down on some deep holes when Jim would tell his stories. And I'm thinking, how's the Lord going to get him out of this one? But every time, the Lord did. And because of that, there was this huge store of wisdom that he just wanted to dump onto me. He didn't want it to be wasted. He just wanted to pass on all of these things to the next generation. I learned so much. And he continues to have an impact on my life even following his death. However old you are, you still have a role to play in God's kingdom. You can tell when God has finished with you because he will take you to be with himself. In your families, in your church family, in your communities. The next generation needs to hear the deeds of the Lord. And that's true for all of us. But whatever our age, we need to focus upon him. And I wonder for all of us, are we excited enough to declare those deeds? Does it well up inside of us that we need to tell just how wonderful the Lord is? Because in the end, it all comes down to where the psalmist finishes. Because as he ends, he ties up everything that has gone before. See, deep down, where does our confidence in the Lord come from? What is the source of our hope in him? Why should we be so excited about his deeds? Well, it's because of his great salvation that brings joy to all who know and understand. See, having said that he will tell of God's mighty acts, the psalmist finishes with this joyful shout of praise to the God who saves. Verse 19, your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of all your righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. See, he doesn't gloss over the difficult parts of life. That's clear from verse 20. Yet throughout, there is a deep joy because the Lord saves He's the God who restores and raises, we see that in verse 20, who increases honor and again restores in 21, who delivers, verse 23, and are seen at the beginning and the end of this section, the one who is righteous. How can it be that we can know joy in the midst of trial? How can we take the opening words of verse 23 to ourselves? Well, it's because of the last few words. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. Why? Because I am one whom you have delivered. You see, the psalmist could look back over his life and see the Lord's hand at work. He'd been delivered from his enemies. He'd been brought up from the depths by God. He had seen mighty, righteous, and marvelous deeds, and it caused praise to burst forth from his lips. 
Can you imagine what he would have said if he was sitting here this morning and he knew what we know? You see, whatever deliverance the psalmist knew, we know greater. Whatever comfort he knew, we know greater. Whatever deeds he knew, we know greater. See, as he looked back to see how the Lord had helped him, we look back and we see the center of human history as God's salvation plan was so clearly seen in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took on our troubles, many and bitter, as described in this psalm, and he went down to the depths of the earth. He felt the pain of God forsaking him and the desperation of knowing that no one would rescue him. He was covered in scorn and disgrace by those who wanted to harm him. And his death was the very definition of shame. Yet in that moment, in that moment, our greatest enemies of sin, our rebellion against the God who made us, and death, the end point for all of us because of our sin, were defeated. The cry of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, it is finished are the source of our joy and our motivation for verse 23. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I am whom you have delivered because of Christ. Our confidence in God's strength comes from the weakness that we see of Christ on the cross and the power that flows through it. There was a man in weakness, and yet in him we find our strength. Our hope when God seems absent, comes from the hopelessness of the cross, as Christ was entirely alone, abandoned even in that moment by his Father, and left to die. Because through that, we know the greatest of intimacy with the God who made us. Our excitement in God's deeds comes from the desperation of the cross, where it looked like all of God's plans had failed. Yet there, we see the heart of it all the high point of God's salvation plan. And our joy in God's salvation comes from the cross, the place of sadness, the place of mourning, from which flow rivers of happiness and joy. The reason that those in Christ can know joy is the cross. The cross is the center, the heartbeat of it all. See, every Christian should be able to look back and point to the Lord's faithfulness in their lives. And we start at the cross. There is the cast iron guarantee that God is faithful because he gave his dear, precious son so that we could know him. We start our journey there, but every day we return. Every day we come back to the cross and we get a reminder that God is faithful. And we bring ourself and our brokenness and our emptiness and our frustrations and we lay them at the cross and we receive the power that comes from that cross. We find salvation. We find strength. And in reminding ourselves of who he is, we find confidence. We find hope. We find excitement. And we find the joy to sing at the tops of our voices. Great is your faithfulness. Father, we thank you, we praise you for your great salvation plan. We thank you that at the center of it all is the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for his body sacrificed for us upon the tree. Thank you for all that it meant. Thank you that in forsaking him, you could accept us. 
that in his death we could know life. That in the shame of his death we could know honor and glory. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. We praise your name because of who you are and what you've done. Thank you, Lord God. Amen.